Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Laura Scalzo, author of the new novel, American Arcadia. Author Maria Rodale wrote about the novel, American Arcadia evokes a moment in time when the world was shifting, awakening to the confusion and suffering of AIDS, when secrets could no longer be hidden, and mysteries of sex, love, and life must be revealed. Like a great jazz song, the novel weaves stories together, builds to a crescendo, and ultimately creates a haunting melody that lingers after, after the last page is turned. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, American Arcadia, how would you describe the novel? Um, I would describe it in the briefest way uh, as a coming-of-age story in 1985 I, in New York City. Um, um, I've been asked yeah, to elaborate on that, and I uh, made a quick elevator yeah. after much <laughs> contemplation. As you know, I think every every writer, I, after they write a book, when someone asks what's it about, it's like, I can't answer that. So no. after much con- contemplation, I came up with friendship, love, yeah. sex, money, power, death. And I would think that it covers almost everything, but um, I really, uh, there's a lot of uh, main story and a lot of subplots all over together. Um, So it's kind of hard to describe, but I think that covers it. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the novel? Oh, absolutely. Um, In fact, I had, as I was trying to figure out how to describe it, I had the extreme luck of happening upon page one of my notes on the first day I started writing. And the first three things of the page said harmonics, transcendence, love. And um, so what that comes from is in 1985, on December 21st, in a secret late night show, I saw Jaco Pastorius play and um, I had never heard of him before, and um, it was what? and continues to be in my memory of transcendent experience. And so that was a long time ago, and I and I've held it. Yeah, I know. I, I've held it with me all this time, and it's must one have of been amazing things. performance. Well, it it was. I, I I was there, and I it was the middle of the night, and he came out, and um. A lot of people are, some are and some aren't familiar with Jacob Astorius, but he basically reinvented the bass. He took the frets mm-hmm. off and played it harmonics, which is a way of vibrating the strings that sound completely different from what you had been used to. And um, But there was something else. I It wasn't just me calling it transcendent. It's if you, if you Google him, you'll find that that's probably one of the most common um, words attached to him, but I was there and I thought he's, he's opened a door. He's opened a portal to some other information that's not of this world. And I spent, you know, all this time wondering what that meant and what it meant to me. And that was the genesis of the novel. Well, as we mentioned, the, the, the novel is set in New York city in the 1980s. And I know that you lived in the city at that time. While you were writing the novel, did you do any research to just kind of remind yourself and put yourself back in those days of the city? Thank you. That's such a good question. Um, because I did my my memory 
and mm-hmm. um and then so then you'd have questions so a perfect example is i right. lived for a year i think it was 84 with my grandmother on staten island so i did that thing where you take the ferry every day to work and take it home <laughs> i know i know it's a and um anyway um I was like, okay, I pass the Statue of Liberty every day. Hey. And there was an immigration I, sort of sub-story I, in, in the novel. So, so that, that is a, a very important piece of it. And I, I remembered, I was like, oh my gosh, she's under scaffolding. I had totally forgotten about that. So then I started researching about when the Statue of Liberty was under scaffolding and that her torch had been severed. And that on New Year's Day, it was in the Rose Bowl Parade. So I don't remember that from real time, but that is from research from my own memory. And that that, appears very, I think, on like the third or fourth page that that, um, Mina, the protagonist, is watching the Rose Bowl Parade. and She sees her torch going down the street in California and how odd that is. Wow. I, I had no idea that that happened. Among and, other things, but much of, as you say, you know, uh, much of the, my memory was sparked are, to research. And then sure. the more you look into it, the more you add back. Sure. Well, what was your own writing journey that led you to writing and getting your debut novel published? Well, I always considered myself a writer from a very young age. And I think that's such an interesting conversation because... The classic question is, if you're a writer and not writing, why do you still think you're a writer? And I think it gets answered a million different ways. Uh, But one of the things that I feel is that I always see uh, the world in story. And I think story is, when we tell the story, it's a relief and also um, an exhilaration of actual events. And it's how we process it as humans. So all these years, so I, I was an English major and I thought I would be a writer, but I didn't, I moved to New York. I didn't really know how to figure that out. And I did a lot of, I tanned, I worked as a waitress and then, you know, I was just barely making, I was not really surviving. (laughs) And then, um, as luck would have it, I ended up getting in a training program on Wall Street. And so then that took up all my time and energy and I, you know, experienced that whole thing. And then I worked and worked and I never really had time to write. And then I had kids and when my kids were, yeah, I would turn 50 basically. And I thought, well, you know, you're going to be dead soon. So what are you thinking this, you know, you have to either accept what you believe you're here for, or you have to be very disappointed. And I just decided to dig in and my kids were a little older, you know, and I would be right. I'd have my laptop at the hockey rink or, you know, dance class. And I just, just thought, this is it. This is my chance. This is my time. And I was very serious. And I wrote all the time in around all my life. And then as my kids got much older, I was able to, for this book, American Arcadia, which is my second novel, I um, I was able to just fully focus full time. And, it, and it, I wrote it in short order, actually. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Well, you mentioned your notes earlier for American Arcadia that you went back and looked when you first began writing it. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what your writing process is when you're working on a novel? Um, uh, Are you someone yeah. who, who who outlines extensively, or what's the process like for you? Well, I I will say the first I I I don't read a lot of craft books, but there's two craft books that I have read. The first was Stephen King on writing, which a lot of people agree is a great way to say you can do it if you commit to it. And he's all about, or what I took from it was just sit down and do it. So I, you know the answer plotter conversation i never thought i could ever write a plot i just thought i could sit down and do it and that is how i got the first book out but oh my gosh i don't know 50 drafts i i can't even i i stopped counting and so when it came to this one i realized that the way to get this accomplished was to um have some kind of outline some kind of parameters so i started building parameters i decided the year you know, because I had this experience, so I thought, mm-hmm. okay, let's make a year, 1985. I um, mm-hmm. I made a very mm-hmm. complicated pictograph. I guess I must be more of a visual person, but mm-hmm. I, if you can imagine when you write a story, you make that sort of rising action, climax, falling action, conclusion. I made that, mm-hmm. and then I drew, kept going over and over on it. The first thing I put in was the weather, <laughs> just to... <laughs> Uh, you know, just to have some kind of parameters. And in fact, that was Hurricane Gloria, which shows up that year in September, I think. So that shows up in the novel. There's a lot of weather in the novel, unsurprisingly. Um, So I did, I planned it. I planned this one and I started writing. In fact, I started January 1 of 2019. And in January, March, April 1, I had two maybe chapters and I had an elaborate plan. And I started writing nonstop from April 1, and I finished at the end of September, um, which is very fast. But I had I had that plan, and that is, I will tell, as a piece of advice, like if you can see where you're going every when you sit down to go there, it comes a lot faster. And so this draft was never changed. All the changes in this draft was all 
you know, continuity and typos and all that kind of thing, but it's never changed from, you know, its original progression. That's great. Are you working on a new novel now? I started it. And um, so when the publisher this novel, it's sort of in a two-year pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so for the first year, I have been working on another novel that is uh, takes place in, uh, my idea was um, in 1919 when Prohibition came into mm-hmm. being law, but actually passed, it didn't to law until mid Jan 2020. So I thought it would be really interesting to write about basically like this uh, national last call. So I really have gotten very interested in that whole time period. But then when I got into the pipeline, right? So my time came up with the publisher. I put that yeah. aside uh, because it was all, you know, getting yeah. full, full court press. Uh, and now, you know, the novel's out, so we're having a lot of conversations and a lot of a uh, bit of travel. And then I think by September, I'm going to go full force back into what I had been working on. Given your experience of, um, as you as you mentioned earlier, of kind of writing, you know, let's say later in life, um, and and now you have two novels out. What writing advice would you offer for those? who may be listening, who are working on their own stories or novels? You know, um, there's so many, like you could say, oh, write every day or mm-hmm. write. And and I really believe that, yeah. you know, you know that if you have that in there, that you are going to start doing crazy things to make it happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that like, let yourself yeah. have it, let yourself have, that idea that this is what I was born to do. And, and even if, um, you know, I have not, stories that are uh, on the shelf that are never going to be published or, you know, I've sent them out and I've had them return. But every once in a while, I'll be walking down the street and I'll say, oh, I should write about that. And I think, oh, I did. I did. I have that. I wrote about that. And it is the best feeling in the world. And, you know, the other thing I would say, so don't give up on that idea that that, that you're built for it because you know, you know. And the other thing I would say is somewhere along the line, because there's a lot of rejection, there's a lot of opinions, make a a really clear idea about who you are and what you want to say and take the good advice and let go of the random advice that's not helping. And I, you know, I work with, um, I volunteer to help kids with their essays. And, you know, the first thing we talk about is permission. And the second thing we talk, like, that you are allowed to say what you want to say, be who you want to be on the page. And the second thing we talk about is that you have, and it took me into my 50s to really believe this, my experience, my genetic code, my life experience, my education, everything I have done makes me a completely unique being. So when I sit down and write a paragraph on the page, no one else can do that. And that is absolutely true for every single person. Your words are completely unique and they matter because I think one of the things that stop writers a lot is like, who cares? Who who wants to know this? Well, we everyone does. We care because we're not in right. your head and we don't know your world or we don't know your life. So how you want to bring it to us matters. And I think once you realize right. that, that it's important, then you go, Oh, okay. I'm here. I'm here to do it. And I'm allowed. Right. So that, that would be what I would offer. 
Yeah, that's that's great advice. What novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoy? Oh, I will say last year I read um, mm-hmm. Love Song of W.E.B. Du Bois, which is, I shelved it next to my Iliad and Odyssey. It is such an incredible book in terms of how the breadth and depth of the span. And I, um, I, I really love that. Um, I, you know, I, I self-soothe with, (laughs) with, um, classical (laughs) work. So I'll often go back. Like I read Emily Wilson's version of the Odyssey. She's the first woman, I think, to make that translation. And she's about to come out with the Iliad and, you know, just, makes me happy to open it up and pick it up anywhere. <laughs> and and because those stories are, you know, when you're novel writing, I think one of the uh, greatest things to remember is so it's universal and it's uh, personal. And when you read as far back as you can get and that those universal themes exist so much in the forefront, you think, okay, I, I can participate in in the river of offerings because these scenarios, family strife, political strife, national, local, everything, the the, the stories don't change, but the telling is, you know, if you can make it interesting is we're always there for it because we're always trying to figure out how to solve what it means to be a human on this planet. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? I am laurascalzo.com and I'm on Instagram at ljscalzo and I'm on Facebook um, at laurascalzo. So that's, you know, I, and I love, I love uh, hearing from people and talking about books and writing so, um, you know, I'm very open to any kind of conversation people might be interested in. Well, again, we've been speaking to Laura Scalzo, author of the new novel, American Arcadia. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Laura, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. I really, Absolutely. really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.